Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. And I just have one question, Kara. Yeah. What? What the actual fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? Well, things have happened while you've been away. Really? Things have happened. Yeah. Well, hold on. Do you know what? Do you know what one thing I read this morning kind of summarizes what? the moment? What? First off, that guy with the horns and the makeup yeah, and, the, and the fur covering, he lives with his mother. Yeah. Which to me no kind of summarizes the the convention of you porn enthusiast, RAV4, uh, used, used, used RAV4 uh, enthusiast, um, discovery card and slow learners <laughs> okay. that showed up to our capital. Yeah. But it wasn't the, just them. We're going to talk about that more. We're going to talk the, about that more, but go ahead. The the physician for Congress, they have a physician, I yeah, guess, sent out a memo, sure an email saying that there's a chance you should all get tested because there's a chance when you are all huddling on top of each other, hiding mm-hmm. and barricading yourself that you might have you might have contracted COVID that because be certain members of Congress yeah. Yeah. certain members of Congress refused to wear masks. I know, like, in okay, the room. So we have they were being begged people, to by other people. People huddling our elected officials. And when you think about it, these people, they aren't elected officials. They're America. Yeah. They, they call it the US, U.S. House of Representatives for a reason. Yeah. That yeah. we, <laughs> as a nation, had to huddle on top of each other and barricade our doors with furniture because yeah. uh, because of these these village idiots that showed up. Yeah, in, in, not just village in, idiots. We're going to talk about that more. But by the way, the people, anyways, it doesn't get enough attention. I'm going the, with village the idiots. The people who, the representatives who refuse to wear masks, they can go fuck themselves. In this crisis situation, this is, this, they've moved to ridiculous. Can you believe that? They're an embarrassment to the United States government. They're embar- not just an that? embarrassment. They should be voted out of office. They will be, I don't know if they'll be voted out of office, but let me just say, fuck them. Anyway, we're going to spend uh, most of the show talking about major platforms, Twitter and Facebook, banning Trump from platforms, where the alt-right movement is headed next. And of course, my parlor interview That's with right. the CEO, which I caused a little bit of a ruckus. Uh the close down, essentially. Good trouble. Right. Yeah, good trouble. Uh, but first, Scott, you've been away a few weeks since we talked, so let's banter a bit about what you missed. Elon Musk is now the richest man in the world. That call <laughs> continues to suck. <laughs> he surpassed Jeff Bezos last week with a whopping $190 billion. When are we going to see the world's first? If he becomes the world's first trillionaire, I don't know what you should do, Scott Galloway. Something, something. something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, mm. Return my Tesla. Uh, what what think you of this? I know you have a Tesla. Of course, you love it. But you, you actually, something you said struck me. You said that you thought that the world's first trillionaire was going to be someone who solved the climate, which uh, he is doing. Sort of, but it he does fit, moving in that direction. Yeah, it does. It does fit into that narrative. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm just so blown away uh, by this. But I think it feeds into a bigger point, and that yeah. is, and this, you know, and we'll circle back around, hopefully, moving. T- uh, to remedies, I think when people add that type of extraordinary wealth in, a, in an era where we have trillions of dollars in deficits, I think we need to revisit capital gain strategy. Ah, interesting. Why is that? Well, one of the biggest problems I think presented by this is that billionaires on average speak to their senator once every three months, and there's just no getting around it. The shareholder class has more influence. Uh, uh, someone worth $100 million has more than 100 times uh, the influence of our government and our policies yeah. and someone who has a million dollars. Yes. And we have to counterweight that. We have to have a ballast to that. And unfortunately, I think when the financial incentives around this form of tyranny and having Trump in office and having income inequality, uh, it's easy to talk a big game that you're worried about Trump. It's easy to talk a big game about how terrible the pandemic is. But when your wealth is exploding and you're the individuals that control the government, then our incentive structure is misaligned and will only create more pandemics and more income right. inequality. And I would All say right. in companies, when you have 
a problem. Look at compensation strategies. So our incentives are all fucked up here. And there, and when we have the, if you will, the the shareholder class influencing our economy, reaping huge benefits in a pandemic and during an insurrection, that means our incentives are it off. It is. It's really amazing how what Wall Street has done this. In another related story, speaking of large companies, Amazon's healthcare venture with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway, Haven Health, is disbanded after three years. You know, not a surprise. This was a yeah, lot this, of press releases. Uh, uh, this is the biggest. This is the biggest non-story story of the week, and that is everyone took it uh, as usual. The sleeveless dresses and Joe Kiernan. Uh, yeah. saw this as some sort of evidence. Joe Kiernan looks great in a sleeveless dress. Let's just be clear. <laughs> why did, why, uh, that's another, why do the guys get sleeves at CNBC? <laughs> the, the, why do the guys get sleeves? <laughs> I wear sleeves. I wear sleeves. <laughs> Anyways. CNBC. So. I wear sweatshirts, but go ahead. But this was, this was the media getting it so wrong. They somehow interpreted this as, oh, Amazon is rethinking its healthcare strategy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what this was? This was, uh, this was Jamie Dimon, who is friends with Jeff Bezos. And and Warren Buffett saying we should really do something around healthcare, and they started this thing. And again, Amazon wants to create a zero cost or a lower uh, a negative margin business to get people to sign up for Prime. J.P. Morgan wants to figure out a way just to lower their healthcare costs, and Berkshire mm-hmm. Hathaway probably wanted to do something cool that they could offer yeah, the port. They all he have different incentives. Kind of do you know how many yeah. people were working on this? How many? Sixty. Okay, yeah. so if Amazon is hiring, yeah, if Amazon is hiring ten thousand people a week, which they are, yeah. that means in eighteen minutes they hire sixty people. So this was the non-event of non-events of the century. Right, but so it does, but but Amazon is still moving into healthcare. That's my like point. A, yeah, yeah, that's my point. This, this is yeah. meaningless. Them closing yeah. yep. it is meaningless. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. 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 But it still is interesting to watch what Amazon's going to do here. Um, uh, but I'm going to move over to our big story because we need, we have a really great friend of Pivot today. After last week's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, I would call it a coup, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, incited by President Trump. And that's let's be clear, that's what happened. Twitter permanently banned Trump from using the platform. Trump has also been banned by Facebook indefinitely, uh, along with Instagram. Shopify and Stripe, the payment company that was processing transactions on Trump's website, is also severing ties with Trump. There's tons more. Um, there's tons, tons more of, of people doing that, including uh, the PGA, uh, not appearing in Trump properties. Meanwhile, the app, uh, Parlet, Parler, Parler, mm-hmm. it's called, it used to be called Parlay, which was the alt-right alternative to Twitter, has gone dark. Over the weekend, Apple and Google ticked it off their app stores. Amazon said it would no longer host its site on Amazon Web Services. And a spate of smaller vendor companies like Okta and others have uh, suspended uh, their vendor relationships. So uh, a lot has happened over the weekend. Suddenly, the things we had been talking about for years, Scott, suddenly come to Jesus, as they say. Yeah, but, but let's be clear. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Dorsey did not kick Trump off the platform. Face Mark Zuckerberg did not shut his account down. Stacey yeah. Abrams did. Yeah. All of a sudden, these people have woken up. And okay, I want to be clear. Let's right. give credit where credit is due. Jack Dorsey right. decided to stop hate, polarization, and insurrections 1,449 days into a 1,460-day tenure. Way to go. Way to go, Jack. And just yeah. to personally yeah, just- it was a little late. Yeah. yeah. It's, we were talking about this this morning. Uh, if I come home after being on vacation for two weeks and I see my son vacuuming the living room, mm-hmm. your first inclination should be, oh, that's great. He cares about the house and wants to be a good a good guy. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's thrown a rave and has been selling meth and molly for the last two weeks out of the house and is trying to cover his tracks. Yeah. 
And that's flushing what these the guys are doing. There was a lot of tweets about that. Yeah, flushing drugs around the toilet when a new hundred. Uh, when a new this is Lorraine Bracco, uh, trying yeah. to like cover up the evidence. They deserve absolutely no credit. So okay, first off, first off, <laughs> Stacey Abrams kicked Trump off these platforms, and not only that, Amazon by winning in Georgia, meaning the Democrats have control. Sit of back, you're going to love this because it's about you. Okay. Amazon, Jeff Bezos didn't kick Parler off AWS. Kara mm-hmm. Swisher did. Because that interview with no, him that you did pointed out this guy is the newest addition to the menace economy. And people have realized that, wait, you know, Japan uh, in Europe, they decided that yeah. Nazis are a bad thing and they can lead us down and hate speech can lead us down a bad road. So they don't have the same First Amendment, quote unquote, protections that we so dearly hold and have been totally perverted, which make absolutely no sense. And guess what? They still have a pretty free, open, progressive society where people get most of their viewpoints across and everyone realizes that is just total bullshit. And then- It is interesting, the the reaction. I mean, it was interesting. Let me, uh, this interview was an interview that I, I I had been talking to him for a while to come on the show. And then when the coup happened, and I'm sitting a mile away from it, I thought now is the time. Mm-hmm. And so I got him on in, e- in the evening as this was still being controlled uh, over in the Capitol, uh, again, which is about a, a mile, a mile and a half from my house. Um, and I, I was sort of, the way I wanted to approach the interview was let him talk, mm-hmm. let him say what he's doing, let, what does he think? And what I think is was the devastating thing it's not so much everyone's like, oh, Carrie, you got him. I'm like, I didn't get him. He got himself. He just said the truth. He said the quiet part out loud. And he did the he did the, the unfortunate thing, which is telling the truth about what he thinks. And then he talked about the system to police the site, which of which the, it was it was laughable. It was a laughable system. And so I just let him go on. And then when he said a bunch of ridiculous things, like the New York Times promotes looting, uh, I, I, I pushed back. And one of the things I think worked really well, as I said, um, a line that has gotten around a lot, which is facts are not, uh, feelings are not facts. Mm -hmm. And he kept doing Mm -hmm. that. Like he kept doing the Trumpy things and I pushed back appropriately. But what I think the most devastating thing in that interview was he, I just let him talk. I didn't have to, I just got out of the way, which was, it's, it's, it's difficult in an interview to do that, but I think it worked best. I think one of the things I thought, and we talk about this a lot, is the lack of thought, the lack of thought about consequence, the lack of thought about impact, just like we talk about Robin Hood or Facebook or anything else. It's this, he is sort of the quintessence of that. Like, well, not my problem. I just, you know, I just have the room where they're, where, where they're planning the assassination of Lincoln. What do you, I know about it, but I, it's not my fault that they're planning it. That's, he was, they're mad. They're, they kept going, they're mad. I'm like, uh, I'm mad, but I don't go over to the Capitol and, you know, trash it. Like, like, you know, like I'm with some like duck dynasty terrorists. And by the way, let me just say one of the things that was. Duck dynasty terrorists. That's good. That's good. That's what they look like. But here's the deal. We all laugh about it, like horn guy mm-hmm. and guy, you know, doing parkour and this and that. If you see the videos coming out now and you see the intent of the people, there was an intent to kill our representatives. There was an intent to kill the vice president. You can laugh all you want about horn guy, like fine, whatever. This was, this. If as you begin to see them beating a police officer to death, as you begin to understand what, that there were a lot of paramilitary people in there, this was an attempted coup as funny as they look. They, a lot of them were there for just taking selfies and doing stupid shit, just like dumb, just dumb people. Others were there for much more malicious intent. And the whole thing being egged on by Josh Hawley, whose career it looks like is ruined, Ted Cruz, same thing. 
they deserve every single bit of of, uh, of people not funding them and everything else they want. And they can go on and on. What's fascinating is they all shifted. And I want to know what you think to this idea. Like, if you've noticed, a lot of them, like Matt Schlapp, who is really, talk about village idiots, um, he was going on about AWS without revealing that he is a lobbyist for Oracle, by the way, which was, I pointed out pretty quickly. Um, he's he's in charge of CPAC, uh, the conservative political action, whatever. Um, how do you think about their argument, like this narrative? I've lost 50,000 people. I've lost this many people. It's because Twitter started cracking down on QAnon. What do you what do you imagine? Matt Gaetz, another fatuous pop and Jay. What do you what do you imagine that argument that they're losing people on Twitter because of this? I, I just I, you know you wonder how we got here, and and I, and I also I do want to acknowledge. There's an the seriousness, the seriousness and, and the tragedy of the moment on so many dimensions. There's an image that really rattled me, and it was an image mm-hmm. in, I guess, the rafters of the Congress, and it was a, a congressman from Colorado trying to comfort an absolutely terrified uh, representative, an elected representative mm-hmm. of our country, who was lying flat on her back, and you could see she was in a state of sheer terror. And they'd had to they'd had to board up or um, secure the room with furniture. And you saw in this woman's eyes; she thought she was going to be murdered. And mm-hmm. these are the people who uh, these are us. Every six hundred and seventy five thousand of us is represented by one of these mm-hmm. individuals. This was right. this was an absolute mob rule. And the notion that and then post it, we're all trying to figure out a way to have thirty something CEOs met out justice for us. I mean, how did we get here? Right. That that's that's right. our solution well, yes. to get Mark yes. to beg Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to take them off their platform. Agreed. But what do you what do you this idea of the First Amendment, which is driving me crazy? It's like it is not a First Amendment issue. The First these Amendment. are the, these are companies. This this is at one point I was like these people, the people who are the the the, the, the Ted Cruz's and everybody else and Lindsey Graham's, you're socialists. You want to have the government tell private companies to do business with organizations that allow terrorist activity. I don't think so. I don't, you know, I used, I compared it to the, to the, remember when the Christian baker didn't want to make the wedding cake for the gays? By the way, you wouldn't want a cake from that guy anyway, if you're a gay. Um, in any case, that was a big case for them. It was, a, it was about the First Amendment versus the 14th Amendment. It was tried, it was brought to the Supreme Court and the, the Christian baker wins. He doesn't have to. It's a religious right. thing over a, 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 a equal rights under the law. Fine, that was a regular case. I don't agree with it, whatever. But now they're saying, you know, you should have to do this uh, because of the First Amendment. This has zero to do with the First Amendment. Companies are private companies. They can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want, and they're not bound by the First Amendment. In fact, you're violating their First Amendment rights, forcing them to help terrorist language to go on. It's just, it it, is like the the selfishness of these people to focus on their Twitter account over what happened at the Capitol is, I... I, I'm going to ride them to the end, this group of people. It's really, uh, it's an astonishing uh, reaction. And then to try to say, besides saying, oh, let's con- let's move on. Like, yeah, you want to move on? No, let's look at it for a good, it's, that's what tech people do, by the way. Remember when I did that interview with Mark where he said, you know, Myanmar and India, let's move on and figure out solutions. That's exactly what Mark did, the same thing. These people are doing the same things they complain about. Okay, so uh, you're exactly right. The First Amendment goes something like this. The Congress should not prohibit speech uh, of any body. And and there's some carve-outs. You can't run into a theater and yell fire. But for the most part, they say you have to let people and organizations have free speech. 
But the First Amendment doesn't say, doesn't demand that private companies have to allow speech. I I went on CNBC every Wednesday for five years. And then for whatever reason, they decided they didn't want me back on. And guess what? That's their right. It's... Censorship, Scott. <laughs> That's their right. They're a private company. They get to make this. And let's yeah. let's be honest about Twitter. Let's talk about Twitter. Twitter stock was okay. at about twenty seven bucks when Trump got elected. It had dipped. It had dipped. It had dipped. And then when he got elected, it started skyrocketing. It went to fifty five. And this morning, when he was kicked off, first trading day after he was kicked off, it dropped ten percent. Twitter has yeah. built an economic model, and they know this, to enrich the shareholders and the management team and the board. Based on based on invective, venom, and incursion. Mm. And when you build a business where you link enrichment to hate and to a mob overrunning our government, it means that company no longer works. And the CEO and the yeah. board should be held accountable. The, the, the notion that has had, this has anything to do with the First Amendment is ridiculous. It has it has to do with when when companies decide to build an economic model based off of team depression off of weaponization yep. of our elections, and at this point, and violence. And another thing, everyone's saying, uh, Pat, Senator Pat Toomey, who I, I actually like, was on Meet the Press, and they're all their big talk track is, he crossed a line. We never expected him to do this. Well, he guess what? Do you realize line. drunk drivers typically, typically have driven drunk 200 times before they get a DUI? And by the way, we've seen him drunk driving Trump all the time. Well, he drunk on, tweets well, all Not the only time. that, but on so, Twitter, hate tweets, hate on tweets. Twitter, there was, there's been plans to kidnap the governor. There's there was a woman run over yeah. at UV he made fun of at that. UVA. He made fun of and it, basically yeah. Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey have been driving drunk and they never got pulled over. And they knew that eventually a family full, a minivan full of people and kids was gonna get killed. And maybe they didn't right. want them to get killed, but they have been driving drunk. They've been ha- behaving irresponsibly. And this yep. notion that, yep. oh, we were just complying with the First Amendment, Twitter knew that it had direct link to financial incentive and keeping his incredibly vile communications. And what's happened, and by the way, First Amendment, yeah. we pay for a podium and a press room at the White House. That got stolen. These guys yeah. have no problem getting media coverage. Yeah, that's right. That's the other thing is I can't speak now. I'm like, hello, you've got the pre- the entire press corps they of the want world him to speak. staring Come at out you. and talk to us. They, he will not talk. In fact, that whatever, Kylie, who couldn't leave soon enough, um, went out there and said 14 words right after this. And you haven't heard from him about this, except in one video where he encouraged the rioters that he put out, and then that's what got him kicked off. And then the second one, which looked like a hostage video, but then he did a, one full of dog whistles, like right-wing uh, fascist dog whistles, which was amazing. This is, it, what's really interesting is that, he, he, look, he's not coming back. This is this is one thing. And, he's, and he does really use Twitter to do this. And there are, doesn't seem to be very, as I wrote many months ago, there aren't other platforms he can do a really good job on, like here. He's only got the podium he's got right now is of the presidency. He has that. And eventually he'll have cable when he stops being president. Um, and et cetera. So what is a, what, let me ask you another question, money, money getting kicked. I think he's still going to make a lot of money though. I think he faces enormous liability, uh, criminal and, uh, and other liability. Um, meanwhile, Blue Cross Blue Shield Association is suspending its political contributions to Congress members who objected to the electoral college count. American Express and J.P. Morgan Chase said they will no longer donate to candidates who supported last week's insurrection. Citigroup also confirmed that it is pausing all federal donations for the first three months of this year. This, uh, business leaders are really piling on. Uh, does this, again, 
too little, too late as far as I'm concerned, because they sort of love the tax cuts and every and the deregulatory atmosphere. What do you think? I think this is actually a bigger deal because, as I mean, the Manufacturing Association of America it wanted the 25th Amendment and, and impeachment. So what do you think about this? I think it's healthy. And actually, just a, a shout out. I think uh, Professor Jeffrey Sonnenfeld at Yale has played a critical, critical role here. He's been assembling all the CEOs and saying, are you comfortable with this? And unfortunately, yeah. we have this enormous va- vacuum, and it's unhealthy when we need Jamie Dimon stepping into the role that Ted Cruz and, quite frankly, Elizabeth yeah. Warren should be playing. Our, our, our yeah. Money in politics is obviously the mother's milk, and they've said, all right, we've got to cut off their funding. And unfortunately, I think when corporation stock kept going up and the the tax rate that they paid on their options kept going down despite what they saw were very troubling behavior out of the president— you know, when it's raining money, your your incentives and your sense of urgency just kind of go away. Yeah. And I think they thought, Jesus, they this do is, indeed. you know, it doesn't matter how rich we are if we lose the democracy, right. if we lose the republic. So I I, I, I I salute them. And and all of us are guilty of a certain, what I'll call, lack of sense of urgency and, and what I feel we're infected with is both-sidedness where we feel, and you said this, we feel this need to understand yeah. them. And uh, th- th- that's just not true. There's a right and there's a wrong. These guys have been wrong for a long time, and we should have taken action, should have taken action yes. earlier. But I-, I hope, you know, I really hope there's a level of accountability. I want facial recognition software. And by the way, I want facial recognition software for the people who destroyed property or hurt people from Black Lives Matter. And I want every person that set foot in the Capitol to be tracked down and prosecuted. You can't have, and yep. this, I'm already skipping to healing, you can't have healing Right. Without accountability. Right. I agree. I agree with that. That whole moving on thing, no. Moving no. on? No. Yeah. Let's not move on. How about we investigate jail and trial people, and then we can move on. That's but, how we move. That is how we move but on, this is, by the way. What's so, what's so scary? Accountability, Scott. <laughs> Jesus. Incent- incentives, the algebra of deterrence. What's so scary, right. though, is that— uh, and and uh, it's difficult to obviously anticipate his next move, but I generally believe he believes he's going to jail. Because the risks he took yeah. and what he he's did here, I think he's done the calculus and said, and been advised, if you're no longer president, you're going to jail. I just think there's so mm-hmm. many attorneys generals lining up to to serve him with civil and criminal suits within 30 days of him leaving yeah. office, and not mm-hmm. it's very difficult. I mean, one of the one of the interesting things I, I love this guy, this Carlo Sipola uh, professor from Berkeley, wrote a book on stupid. Mm-hmm. And he basically says that the definition of stupid is someone who levies damage on other people and other things with no apparent benefit to themselves. And it's hard to imagine. And the reason why stupid people are so dangerous is in addition to the damage they levy, they're very hard to uh, counterattack because you can't predict their movements. This was a difficult thing to predict. Mm-hmm. And what I don't understand yeah. is even the My Pillow guy probably isn't going to advertise in the new Trump network. Oh, I just mad. don't. I don't understand. And the only thing I can figure out here is that someone advised the president close to him and said, if you're no longer president, you're going to jail. Look at these cases they have against yeah, you. Yeah, that was Pat's Cipollone. Otherwise, why would, yeah. why, would he t- why would he take a risk? Why would he? I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm the CEO or I've been the CEO of companies. I can't imagine saying to my number two person, people show up at that person's office and say, we want to hang that guy. And from my window, I reach out and go, you're very special. I love you. I mean, did you see yeah. what he has done to Pence? Well, 
Our next guest is going to talk about that in a second, but one of the things is because he's thinking it could work. Uh, right now, the FBI now reports uh, in a bulletin that armed protests are being planned in all 50 state capitals from January 16th through January 20th, and that the U.S. Capitol from January 17th through the 20th. So he thinks he can pull this off. He still thinks he can pull this off somehow through armed insurrection. I think that's really the, the game. What's fascinating about it, and then we're going to get to our Fred of Pivot, is the amount of... Uh, one of the things that struck me watching, not the violent people, because they were there to cause violence 100%, but the others who just were wandering around doing selfies like it was like they were at Disney World. That to me was like, are you kidding me? All right. So, Scott, let's go on a quick break. And when we come back, we have a perfect person to talk to about, friend of Pivot and fellow NYU professor, Ruth ben She's an expert on the rise of fascists. Perfect timing uh, for a book and what she's talking about when we get back. Scott, we are back. We have Ruth Ben-Ghiat here. She's a professor of history and Italian studies at NYU. Oh, my son is a studies, Italian studies at NYU. Expert on authoritarianism, fascism, propaganda, and threats to democracy. Author of the book, Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present. Thank you. Ruth, thank you for coming. First off, shouldn't your, shouldn't your book been called Mussolini to the President? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, some interviewers make a slip and do Mussolini to the President, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about uh, you talking about, you saw last week's insurrection coming. Um, why do you think it was able to escalate uh, to the point it did? I know that seems like a, just talk talk through your thinking about so what happened. It's, it's the product, it's able to escalate because it's, it's the product of five years, if you include the campaign of Trump, uh, you know, making these people feel like they mattered um, and preaching to them and signaling to them um, you know, that he was their man, um, using the we term, which he did even in his January 7th, you know, concession speech, right? Um, so there's that. And the other part of it, which is really important in leader-follower relationships, is that um, the, the authoritarian is an aggressor, but he's also the victim. He always has to be the victim. So these were yeah. people who were responding to, they were rescuing the leader in distress. And Trump's always been the victim of the press, mm -hmm. the prosecutors, everyone who wants to unseat him. Nancy Pelosi. And that's, yeah, Nancy Pelosi. And that's very, very potent. Um, that combination of making people feel like they're on a mission together and rescuing the leader, which goes back to fascism like the black shirts, the brown mm -hmm. shirts, that's kind of irresistible. And, and then the final thing is this uh, lawlessness, this celebration of lawlessness. And that's one of the mm -hmm. big um, lessons of, of the Trump era is that lawlessness can be glamorized and, and put on TV. Uh, so mm -hmm. all of those things were mixing in to, ca to cause this escalation. Can you talk about the impact of social media? Because right now, obviously, the social media has finally cut off the, the I don't know, the heroin of, of doing it. Talk about that impact. Because, you know, look, Mussolini happened without Twitter. Uh, so did so many other strong men. So talk about what it does here. Is it just another way to communicate or does it have a special impact? It, what, it, what it does, I mean, I would just as a preface, it's really interesting. Uh, I didn't realize until I wrote this book how many of these men who have success come to uh, politics with a background in mass communications. So Muslim right. was journalist, but so was Mobutu. Um, and right. this matters because they know how to be what their people need them to be. They're amoral, but they're also mm -hmm. actors. And a lot of people used to say about Mussolini mm -hmm. 
that he was an actor, he'd be whatever you want him to be. So some of these things right. haven't changed, right, across the century. But mm-hmm. the social media, it's really, it allows us to see um, in real time what is going on in a way mm-hmm. that we couldn't before. This has another side to it. We're also able to see the drama of dissidents and resistors. Um, and that's been very mm-hmm. effective in Putin's Russia to gaining, like gaining uh, support for resistors, where you have the police knocking on the door and now they stream it live or they... They show right. their drone being flown out uh, with their hard drive uh, to rescue. But mm-hmm. you also have this, where if it doesn't exist on TV or on social media and then it can be tweeted, it doesn't exist at all. And this is partly, mm-hmm. um, this also we ha- will have to reckon with what Trump, the entertainment president, has brought us. Scott. Professor, I, over the weekend, I started doing some research on coups. Don't don't unsuccessful coups usually lead to successful ones? I mean, does, is this a canary or a, are we about to see more of this? I mean, most coups, the, the majority of coups are to get somebody into office. Yeah. Although there are, this is like a self-coup, right? But mm-hmm. it's true. And it happened in Chile uh, before the famous 1973 coup. There were one or two, especially one other coup that failed, but it was part of making this um, climate of uncertainty so that, in fact, uh, people expected a coup. You start creating a narrative of expectation. And I actually, uh, Chile is more relevant than I think people think or know, because what I what I am worried about is um, before the, the coup, when Allende came in in 1970 as socialist president, and this U.S. and Chilean right worked together to create a kind of stre- a kind of in- climate of uncertainty with constant violence, with economic downturns, with uh, political impasse, so that Chile didn't seem like it could mm-hmm. be governed unless you had authoritarian politics. So you started having these coups that didn't succeed, but people, by the time Chile's uh, Pinochet did succeed, people had coup bags packed. I talk about that in my book in case for their kids, mm-hmm. uh, like go-to bags packed because it was like something people came to expect. And I'm worried that we will enter into this kind of uncertain climate that will make people uh, more eager for another savior like a Trump. Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll put him into context of other directors rise to power. What do you expect to see from him next? So he could, you know, he, he's, he can perhaps become like a, an agitator. And in a way, it's true that he won't have the, the presidential imprimatur. He no longer has Twitter, but that could in a way unleash him. And he could be a very effective outside agitator working with, well, effective is not a word you use with Trump, but go ahead. I think ahead. it's Sorry. been very effective, He's somewhat actually. Lazy. Yeah, so do I. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I'm talking about discipline, the, the discipline that, that a Pinochet yes, had. Yes, he's ahead. a very different uh, personality in that way than Pinochet. He's not disciplined, but that's part of his appeal. And in fact, Pinochet mm-hmm. surprised everybody because they thought he was Mr. Constitution and then he became Mr. Torture. So he was liberated. Mm-hmm. But Trump could be... Uh, you know, he could work with extremist elements that are that are not only outside with these ragtag malicious seeming people, but they're inside our institutions. And the more we know and more is going to come out about who was involved. We see it was Republican donors, Republican officials, people from the military law mm-hmm. enforcement. So the threat is inside our institutions. And Trump 
could work very effectively with some kind of media, you know, TV network, whatever that will be, to uh, be more than a thorn in the side, to be an active uh, advocate for overturning democracy. So do you think him, the, the Democrats pursuing the second impeachment of Donald Trump, it seems somewhat, even that seems too weak um, when he leaves office. Do you think it's an important it's, move? It's very important. I mean, he, he needs to be, he needs to be detained, in my opinion. Uh, he's, a, he's a danger. He's an inciter of violence. Um, that couldn't be more clear. But it is, it is important uh, to have this uh, in, because it's incitement to insurrection. And it also shows the link between uh, uh, rhetoric and propaganda and violence. And it's classic Trump, as it was Mussolini and Hitler, to light the flame, you know, put down the kindling, light the match, and then say, oh, I'm going to be with you, but then they're not really there. So they're not on the mm-hmm. site. This is very important. And they all mm-hmm. did this um, from Mussolini mm-hmm. forward. So that's plausible de- mm-hmm. deniability. And in fact, the logic of authoritarianism is a lot of the people around them go down, but they rarely go to jail because of this. They're very mm-hmm. skilled at exploiting others, at playing others like violins, and then uh, retreating for self-preservation reasons. Can you think of any other societies that mimic what's happened to here, where we've kind of come to this ledge or we've peered into the abyss, if you will, of tyranny or fascism, and then they've come back and they've actually built healthier societies? Is there a best practice for what you'd like to see in terms of a healing? Um, rather than, I mean, healing is, is important, but uh, we, we've had a huge wake-up call. And, and actually, we have done something, just the feel-good moment. Mm-hmm. We've done something really unusual and that we interrupted by voting Trump out this process of authoritarian mm-hmm. capture, which was clearly going on. And had we had a second term. And yes. the Senate and the House. I mean, there are some the immunities do yeah. appear to be kicking in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's also exposed. Um, th- th- there's a world of people who worked for this uh, on the ground and in institutions mm-hmm. and. And, you know, one of my laments, uh, I, I, which I, I end in my book, that democracy needs heroes and, and media need to cover them. Like all these, this like large, you know, Greek chorus of people who are working, legal pushback, bureaucratic pushback, um, people who speak out, uh, you know, as academics. All these people were all involved together, but the media, it, it's, it's easier to glamorize villains. So you give Dana, Dana mm-hmm. Lush of NRA a, a New York Times Styles uh, you know, a styles profile. But if we're mm-hmm. going to be serious about protecting democracy, we need to give people role models. And of course, we have some Stacey Abrams. We haven't even been able to enjoy the Georgia uh, victory. Mm-hmm. No, remember but that? There are oh, yeah, so many more um, angles yeah. that could be pursued to lift up people who are doing this important work and and incentivize uh, the culture to to work for good instead of, uh, you know, being complicit. Although you also have to let people hear the actual voices of some of these people that are problematic. I just did the parlor interview um, where he just said what he thought. And I think that killed off that company. I think it was just let, let listen to what he's saying and judge whether you want to do business with him. And I don't think I was, I didn't stop him. No, it's very important. It's very important to do that. Um, because uh, we can't, we have to know what we're combating against. It's just that it's been yeah. asymmetrical. 
Um, yeah, 100%. So can I ask you, when you're thinking about these platforms, what do you think the responsibility of tech platforms to regulate the rise of authoritarian figures are? are? And now that Trump has been stripped of Twitter, his favorite mode of communication, it's been so quiet. It's actually quite lovely. Do you think he'll be able to maintain that somewhere else? Um, Twitter is uniquely suited to uh, an authoritarian personality because, and it's classic Mm -hmm. that he and Bolsonaro use their personal accounts. Um, right. That's right. Just so people don't know, he uses real Donald Trump and not POTUS. Yeah. And he tried to move over there when he got <laughs> kicked off, but then yeah, it didn't shut work. him down. That was ridiculous. But this is it's also important uh, because authoritarian uh, politics is a personalized politics where uh, and, mm-hmm. and the, lo- the, the process is that uh, all of all of the party and, and if they're successful, more and more of society become tools of the le- leader's whims and particular private financial needs and everything gets sucked up and and focused around his person. So it makes sense that, and, and Twitter in particular for its instantaneity. Instantaneousness. Qualities yeah. is, is highly suited to um, ego, you know, egomaniac and insecure and needing affirmation 24-7. Uh, which is how Kara, these guys Kara and are. I can relate That's to that. That's why Scott and I like it. <laughs> Both of us <laughs> we were like racing it. for a comment That's on that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but we don't. We don't no, but this, this one, of the, one of the uh, paradoxes of this is, um, and you, Professor, let me just interrupt you right there. What do you think when you look back on different mediums that have been leveraged by these fascists or dictators? What do you think should happen to the mediums? What do you think should happen to Twitter and Facebook? And maybe give us which each one of these people used, yeah. uh, you know, Hitler, Mussolini. Well, um, the the key is that they have to have an unmediated direct c- connection through the media of the day with their people. So Mussolini had newsreels and he mm-hmm. was highly skilled at using his body. And because uh, at first it was silent and his voice and he was he was incredibly uh, effective that way. Hitler used newsreels too, but of course Hitler's radio, tool right? was radio. Yeah. And he had this uh, very particular, you know, voice where he would, yeah. uh, he would become so emotional, people would feel an intimate connection with him. Mm-hmm. Now we call it digital intimacy, but it existed at every era of communications and history. Uh, and the ones who succeeded best were the ones who knew how to manipulate this. So one of the paradoxes mm-hmm. is that the more that these rulers are skilled at this uh, media, pol- mediatized politics, the better they seem, the more they seem authentic to their people. Because, and Modi uses Instagram, that's his uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And he's highly, he's mm-hmm. kind of Instagrammed his life. So this uh, the sense of mm-hmm. authenticity, which is important for populists especially, um, depends on this unmediated connection that these platforms give them. Mm-hmm. So where does he go? I'm not sure where he's going to go. Um, I'm only asking because about uh, six, eight months ago, I said the problem is once he gets kicked off Twitter, he's got a yeah. problem because, you know, especially if Instagram doesn't let because none of the other, even Facebook is good for ads and all kinds of group organizing. It's not no. the same. It doesn't coalesce people. and. 
Parler really wouldn't have worked because it was ta- it's talking to one side, essentially. And he needs all of everybody there. He needs the liberals. He needs the politicians. He needs the news media. They are all together. So is there a place he can do this? Because he's also not going to be able to command television in the same way. His own Will his own network really work except to talk to a small no, base and of he, people? No, and, and he, he won't. There isn't a, an equivalent of Twitter. And um, the one mm-hmm. thing he'll still be able to do is rallies. And... These Mm -hmm. men need the um, affirmation and excitement that rallies give them. Um, And there's an Mm -hmm. anecdote. uh, When Goebbels signed on very early to work with Hitler, he realized that Mm -hmm. if he put Hitler in a studio, Hitler was wooden. He was boring. He needed the, like, energy of the crowd. And Trump is the same way. So he can do rallies, but he has a big problem. He has a communications block because there is no substitute Mm -hmm. for Twitter. And he's not always good on television. He's not always as dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he seems a little crazier on yes. television. When, it, when, there's quest, when there's any pushback, he falls, like as you noticed from all the <clears throat> interviews with Chris Wallace or, or, or John Swan of Axios, anytime he gets any pushback, it's a problem. So this him. is going to really limit his impact because the other part of this, as we all know, is that um, he was amplified incessantly. I had followed him years ago, mm-hmm. and I remember in 2018, I published an op-ed in the Washington Post that said how to push back against Trump's propaganda machine. And it was like, don't amplify him, mm-hmm. you know, don't retweet right. him. And, you know, we know all mm-hmm. about the circuits, but he's going, he's deprived of that now. So, what about any of his followers? Do you see any of them rising to the occasion? Uh, Tucker Carlson is one I look at really strongly. Who do you, who are you worried about going forward? Yeah, I'm worried about Tucker Carlson. I mean, he's, I think he's a death very adept. I'm saying is I think. And if you yeah. analyze the content of what he says, it, it hits the, uh, the, the best, the high, the low peaks of all authoritarian rhetoric from uh, talking about quote gypsies to he's got all of it there and he's quite skilled at it. And he also has mm-hmm. a veneer of uh, respectability in his person, the way he looks, which is important for some people because they can justify that he's not. Yeah, Trump seems crass. Yes, and in fact, um, what, uh, one of the reasons that the GOP, I think, are angry at Trump for many reasons, those who are, is that he mm-hmm. wrecked it for them because the gloves were off. He was too crass. He was too um, mm-hmm. open about all the games that they play, and he led those games to their logical extreme conclusion, which was January 6th and all the mm-hmm. other things he did. And it's much better to have people who do it behind the scenes and, and, and have the rules, you know, respect the rules of politics right. where you're just as dirty, but you do it and you're wearing a, you know, a, you look. Mitch McConnell yes. does that really yes. well. And, and the Paul yeah. Ryans and all of the Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy's, the people who kept his secrets about Russia. And mm-hmm. but this this uh, undisciplined, as you put it before, this is why these people love him. It's exactly mm-hmm. why they see him as different than other um, mm-hmm. all other politicians. And that's been the secret of his success and why he got more votes in 2020, despite the pandemic crisis. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I ask, I'm going to ask one more question. It's got me. Up one. So what are you scared of most now going forward? What lay out the next Two weeks and then the next six months to a year. In in the short term, the the two weeks, uh, I'm I'm very concerned about these coordinated. Um, uh, well, it's actually ten days, right? 10 days. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm worried about these coordinated um, violent aggressions uh, and mm-hmm. 
the sense they will give of a society in crisis and the, the damage mm-hmm. uh, physical and, and tra- traumas they will cause. Um, mm-hmm. And when Trump said on his January 7th speech, he said, this, our journey is only beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this really, uh, this, this was important because it's Hope. the start of, it may be the end of his, uh, it was the end of one stage of his quest to stay in office, but it's the start of something that's more viscerally dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then out into the next year, what would you see him do that you would worry as I said, and before, what would you see him do that would say, okay, he's just a lazy golfer who? Well, the golfing was money. actually not lazy at all. It was about promoting Trump prop, Trump branded property. Sure, absolutely. But I'm yeah. saying that he just wants to make money. Like he's not really interested in actually being king. He just wants to make. Yeah, money. he wants to make money, but uh, he's also put a lot of effort into. He's not really making money from uh, signaling to all these militias, uh, but mm-hmm. yet he's done that. That's one of his top things he's done. So I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. worried about the instability and sense of crisis and the, the Republican enablers making it impossible for Biden-Harris to, uh, to govern properly. Um, the, the attempt that's been going on to sabotage uh, the you know, help for coronavirus victims for economic relief so that uh, Trump, you know, his famous 2013 or 14 Fox News interview where he says, The only way to get the right kind of government is to have a total collapse in society. You have riots. You have people who Mm -hmm. are desperate, will do anything, and then you can have national unity. I'm worried about that Mm -hmm. scenario. Um, Mm -hmm. Let them speak. Yes. That's my, the longer term. um, Any hopefulness whatsoever? Ruth, I know you traffic in Mussolini, so, and Hitler, and Pinochet, so... Yeah, I mean, Any we've hope? had a huge wake-up yeah. call, um, and and there are people who had you know voted for Trump who who don't approve of what he's done. My mother, she's shifted. Yeah, Lucky's on board now. She don't like attacks on the Lucky's on board. Well, although she still hates Nancy Pelosi. So, so I have one final question for the change. professor. I, I think that there's a cold comfort that once Trump is gone, a lot of this goes away. And he was elected by an American electorate. He surrounded himself with enablers who are Americans who went to American schools and have American children. What does this say about us? Now, we're the latest nation to find out that no, no one mm-hmm. is immune from the temptations of authoritarian politics, from uh, a cult of uh, macho lawlessness. Um, and what, what Trump has done is to um, give a roadmap to the GOP for a future way of doing politics where uh, election results that don't go your way become just another item or fact to be denied or or fabricated because you find the votes. And there's plenty of uh, politicians in that party who uh, mm-hmm. would go along with this. And the GOP has become mm-hmm. a, 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 a largely authoritarian party now. They have one foot outside of democracy. So um, so that's that's the problem for the future. All right. Uh, Ruth, this has been so great. This is an astonishing thing. Uh, can you? The name of your book is "Strong Men: Mussolini to the uh, mm-hmm. uh, to, the, to the Present." <laughs> I keep saying the president. I didn't want to say it. It's an amazing book. Thank you so much. And you are conti- you are continuing to teach at NYU. Yes. Do have you ever we run met into Scott? I don't think so. No, we haven't. No. <laughs> yeah, try not to. When when once you all get the vaccine, stay away. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. We'll have a lovely time there. I'll come up there. My son's up there. It'll be really fun. I really appreciate Thank all the work you, you do. And it, it's astonishingly, I hate to say it well time, but it's an important uh, read professor. and you should all read it. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much for having me on.
All right, Scott, that was a big uh, bummer from Ruth Ben-Gayet. She is her book on uh, Mussolini to the present, uh, Strongman. Uh, one more quick break. We'll be back for Wins and Fails. Okay, Scott, Wins and Fails. How are you feeling about that segment? Uh, look, I, I, I love NYU, and it, it's I, I, I find it inspiring and reinforcing when you hear from thoughtful people who decide to go very narrow and very deep, and then occasionally— in an irrelevant and meaningful way, their expertise is needed. And I think that we in America didn't think we would need scholars on fascism. And it, it's unfortunately, it's mm-hmm. become very appropriate and very, very relevant. So uh, look, I, I, I think Professor Benguiat has a gift and I, that's why I think universities are, are wonderful things. Yeah. So, Should I leave DC during this next couple of days? I can't DC? imagine. You know, that's, an, that's a really interesting question. You're down there. I'm not. Uh, what do you, are, you, yeah. are you actually worried about what's going to happen? Uh, you know, last week on Pivot, when Stephanie was on, I said I was worried about violence on January 6th mm-hmm. because of the, I thought they would go right up to Capitol Hill and try to stop the electors hmm. from happening. Elector, so you uh, saw this coming. Making them official. I yeah, said it. I, I did, said, I, I think there's going to be violence. Coming. And my my kids didn't want it. I had been reading because I was preparing for the parlor thing eventually. And I was reading them and I was like, they're organizing on this platform. They're mm-hmm. re- they're organizing on Facebook. They're re- and so I, with Stephanie, I went back and forth and I said, I, my kids wanted to go down there. I said, absolutely not. They're stupid people with guns. And I think they're going to mount an attack. Like, I don't think, I, I think this is not a peaceful protest or will not, a lot of people there were not intending it to be. A, I think a lot of people did. And by the way, Go for it. Like, God's good, Godspeed on if you want to scream about Hillary Clinton being a lizard, go go for mm-hmm. it in lots of ways. Um, but I was worried. I was totally worried. And I don't know what I think now. I think what's going to happen is there's going, hopefully, our real, I think the insider stuff, she's absolutely right. There's a lot of people within our government that are, that went along, that are, oh, that they're are gonna find on out. that side. The guy who was killed was a Trump and, and supporter. And they're going to find out a amazing. lot of lawyers from the RNC. I think a lot of stuff's going to come Not out. Not just that, military mm-hmm. people, police, there's a lot of police presence was, it was in the crowd. Um, there's a lot of people in the army who are not against this kind of thing. And so they're, they're obviously, Germany is suffering this problem. And so I, I, maybe, you know, I, I hope they are planning in each state capital and here, what I'm fearful of at this point is a massacre of people, including, um, law enforcement and military Mm -hmm. people, not of them. I think they're going to come in with heavy force and these, some of these people are going to be killed. And, this is not an outcome that I, I think don't think it'll happen. Want. You know why? And I because they're white. Why? Well, that's fair, but I don't know this time. I think if they start pulling out those guns, they are going. I think they're ready yeah. for it. I think they'll show up with such a, a level of force that they're basically. Gonna... Well, just this week, I went up to the cap. I went down over to Capitol Hill this weekend, just to it's a lovely area called the Eastern Market. And driving home, it was looked fine, everything normal up on Capitol Hill. But the minute mm-hmm. you got down near the Capitol. There were fence. There's black fences, tall black fences around the Supreme Court, around uh, the Capitol, which you've never seen ever. You used to be able to drive up to it, but that's over. Very high fences. There was deployed mm-hmm. National Guard at every ten feet uh, along this fence inside, um, and then uh, police officers. The amount of whom this was on a on a Saturday or a Sunday. It was a Sunday. I've never seen so with their lights on. Dozens and dozens and dozens of police cars all all the way down the mall for several blocks, um, and it was it was mm-hmm. a show of force. And and I think the issue is the visuals of the military. I think correctly the visuals of the military patrolling the Capitol is disturbing. There was also a bunch of military in front of Trump hotel mm-hmm. Trump's hotel, 
which was really interesting to to see um, right down there. And so I don't know. I don't know. So maybe that's my uh, my um, my fail. But I think probably my biggest fail is as this is happening, as the Capitol was being stormed, is also the deadliest day mm-hmm. of the pandemic. I think that's really it. I think we've forgotten that. By the way, there's a pandemic going on and people are dying at an astonishing rate, 3,000 deaths a day or more. Um, and that that is also a... Uh, a gift from President Trump uh, that keeps on giving. Uh, not a gift. I mean, it's a toxic gift that keeps on giving. So that's my fail. Um, win, I find it hard mm-hmm. to find a win. I don't I don't have a win this week, Scott. Yeah, my, my fail is this plague or this virus that infects us called both-sidedness, where through some fucked up vision or version of wokeness, we feel a need to try and understand it and, and make excuses for, for people saying, oh, they're the Americans that America left behind or they didn't have access yeah. to higher ed. And the reality is when you when you show up and you insult America like that, when you are violent, when you when when people die, uh, you know, I, I always go back to World War II, 1941, a lot of young men said, I'm the only person supporting my family. I've been drafted. My father came back and slowly suffocated to death because of a gas attack and we got nothing for it. So no, I'm not going back. I need to support my family. Mm-hmm. And we stuck them in jail. And there is a right and a wrong. Mm-hmm. And in America, we have a certain set of values that try to discern what is right, right and wrong, and we need to start um, holding people accountable. And I don't think I don't think this is a yep. time. I, I just think it's so ridiculous that we feel this need to try and understand how they feel and not hold them accountable. I also want to highlight that there's a difference between showing up to the Capitol and protesting loudly with an American flag. That's that. There's a difference between that person. The person who trespasses and goes in and puts people in Congress under threat, and then the person who breaks into the Speaker's house and throws his feet on the desk. And by the way, I can't wait. I love seeing that guy's mugshot. Um, so there is a difference, but I'm, I think there's both-sidedness. I think there is a right and a wrong, and we need to show more leadership and start holding people accountable. I think when Representative Gates, Gates gets uh, from Florida gets up, Uh, literally minutes after this incursion and starts spreading misinformation and saying that it was Antifa when he knows that is a lie. He knows that is a lie. He should be, he should be censored and he should be prohibited from any matching funds because when you lie and those lies directly, and you know, you're lying, you're not just stupid. Like I think Rep Gomer, I think he's a fucking idiot. Okay. But I think Matt Getz will show in his emails that he knew he was spreading infor- yeah. misinformation, and that misinformation is directly linked to violence, and he should pay a price. There is a right and there is a wrong here, and yeah, I'm done. Agreed. We have been infected with a level of both-sidedness that is damaging to our nation. Yeah, that is, I think, a perfect thing to end on. Uh, we have to have a positive thing, Scott. We got to say it. Well, well the immunities are so kicking in. We've had all three. Ho- we've had all three houses of government change hands. We've had a lot of people, a lot of people, yeah. including business leaders, say, all right, the line has been crossed here. There, he's been silenced. By the way, hasn't social media been nice and oh, better? Do you lovely. realize there's something like— It has. I'm there like, are 37 accounts. I think it was because New York Trump Times The Atlantic did an analysis. There are only 37 accounts that are responsible for like 60 to 70 percent of the misinformation that could result in violence because what yeah. people fail to realize, it's not what you say, not only what you say, but how powerful you are. And as this is a lesson for yeah. me, I try to be more thoughtful as my yeah. audience grows about leading with opinion as opposed to facts. Because what you realize is when you have shitty takes mm-hmm. on things, they have shittier outcomes based on how Shit. much influence you have. And when a house, when a, when a yeah. representative takes to the floor after something like this and spreads them misinformation, 
That is dangerous. And all Twitter yeah. needed to do, all Facebook needed to do, and they did that analysis, was recognize the accounts that were causing and leaving the most damage on the Commonwealth, and they failed, and they should be held accountable. They failed. Yep. I think I think we're going to end on that on that note. But I, what positive thing we think, Scott? We have I am so positive. happy. To, I, I mean, missed you. I called you Friday. I wanted to do a hot take and a quick take. <laughs> I know you did. You called oh, me you a call lot. You call me more than I call you. Call you called me a lot. I, come on. Come on. Yeah. What was the thing that Tom Cruise said at you? the end of that movie? I, I, I know that. No, we're not um, in that movie. No, the one where he goes, I need you or. No, you complete You complete me. me. That you, you do. Say it to me. You, you so. You complete me, I want you to say you complete Absolutely. Me. You are the missing piece. Thank you. It's true. Though. You are the it's missing piece. You are the Zacapa <laughs> to my Cialis. Seriously. <laughs> I did miss you. Amanda was like, you seem my Go like, on. Scott. Oh, God, Go I on. I can't believe it. Even though your tasteless beginning of this show. And by the way, can I just, let's celebrate the officer. I believe his yeah, name is right. Officer Goodman uh, at, the, at the Capitol who threw that asshole who was attacking him, this guy who's been since arrested. I'm going to say his name because he's such a douche. Um, this guy, Officer Goodman, who deserves the Medal of Honor or Freedom, whatever we can give him, um, who who fended off people. Individual, you know, she was, Ruth was talking about individual mm-hmm. um, leaders. This guy was amazing. What he did, he, he saw um, that he was being, uh, that they were going towards the Capitol, uh, to the Senate, uh, I think it's the Senate, uh, of the Capitol Police, and um, and he risked his life. It's Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman. Yeah. I also hope, just Thank sorry, I'm, I'm going uh, back. A black man, and black man being chased by white <laughs> people. Uh, I, I really, I really, ho- I hope, and I hope our you, elected Officer officials, Goodman. for a brief moment when they were sitting in Senate conference rooms, hiding and barricading their doors with furniture, realize we're all Americans. I hope, I hope. No, they were keeping you their masks. You gotta hope some of them assholes. saw the middle. Anyway, here. you gotta hope some uh, of them saw the middle. No, yes, I think they. A lot of them did. A lot of them did. Okay, Scott, that's the show. As a reminder, we love listener mail questions, and so we're trying something new. Go to nymag.com/pivot to submit your questions for the Pivot Podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Read us out, Scott. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our engineer is Ernie Endratot. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe on the show and on Apple Podcasts. What a terrible week, Kara, but what a wonderful time to rethink what's required to make sure that it doesn't happen again. This has been, what what a what an awful week. Hopefully the immunities are kicking in, but let's not take for granted that this, these things can't happen. They can happen and they have happened. And yep. let's trust that it's and a wake up And get your vaccines call. if you can. The number, the, the age is... The ages are going down there. I'm very close to D.C. to getting it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Get your vaccines. Let's start America. Let's build back. I think it's Biden's thing is build back better. Let's build back. Well, we have been back. That's a great analogy. We've gotten a little bit of this this, uh, hamstrung virus called tyranny and fascism. Let's touch that our immunities will recognize it and respond more aggressively. Hopefully this nation has been vaccinated and hopefully we're all in the midst of being vaccinated on a number of dimensions. 